Last time I was with you a couple of weeks ago, I asked the question, will, will we risk, risk our lives on Jesus this year? Will we actually choose to risk our lives on Jesus this year? And one of the things that we, we spoke about, um, we used this uh, Wimberism where he said this. He said, the kingdom of God is about doing as much as teaching. And if you aren't doing the works of the kingdom, the message is incomplete. And I pray that the vineyard never stops taking the risks of the kingdom. Um, One of the great joys that Nicole and I had a few weeks back in um, having dinner with all of the founding members of the life of Pine Rivers Vineyard was as we had dinner, we got to recollect a whole bunch of stories from over the past 25 years. Thanks, team. Let me just test it now. There we go. Uh, yeah, that's it. Awesome. So, and um, you just see down in the bottom left corner there, there we are having some dinner together and enjoy, enjoying each other's company, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and the stories that were flowing out of that time together, recollecting 25 years of ministry and following Jesus together. And one of the things that... Um, was exciting that flowed out of that conversation space was that they each of the people was sharing stories about how they found when when God by his spirit drew them to the vineyard movement they found that they were given a permission and an opportunity to learn how to do what Jesus does to actually get off off the seats and actually go and do what Jesus does. And this, this kind of unique grace of the Holy Spirit that is on the Vineyard Movement and continues to be on it is that the Vineyard kind of keeps getting called by God into not just its own ranks but of now, I think there's about 2,500 churches now around the world and we're still planting churches, um, but that um, we get also called into other parts of the big church, the big body of Jesus. Pentecostal churches, conservative churches, Anglican churches, all sorts. And we, and we keep getting invited to come and teach people how to do what Jesus does. This is one of the things that's very precious to us. And this year, as this year starts, I want to ask the question for you. We spoke about core values a few weeks ago and risking it all on Jesus again. But as we're going forward with the story of God in this place, one of the things I want to ask is, or remind you of this morning is, don't ever forget that you have been, in the per- with the person of the Holy Spirit, you have been given a resource or a toolkit of kingdom ministry. That is yours. And it goes with you wherever you are. Have you ever found yourself in your workplace or in your family circumstances, whatever they are, where you have found yourself to be the apparent expert in the moment, but you didn't realise it? And it usually feels something like this. You're in a situation or a room, something comes up and everyone looks to you as if you know what to do, as if you have the answer, as if you have the capacity to fix whatever's going on. Has anyone ever found themselves in a situation like that? I am regularly in situations like that. Even in the parenting stakes, I'm regularly like, Nicole and I look at each other like, do, 
you would know, wouldn't you? <laughs> uh, well, uh, no, but hang on, let's walk it out and let's see. But in my work, in my family, in my relationships, in know- knowing how to navigate um, uh, circumstances, I'm constantly finding myself in situations where I'm being looked at as if I know what I'm doing. And more often than not, here's the big secret, it's out. I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) It's the big secret. Now, religious, a lot of religious professionals and practitioners will put on the mask to say, we know what, we got it all together and we know what's going on. We don't. We don't. One of the greatest prayers that John Wimber used to pray when he would come and minister, wherever it was, his greatest prayer was this. Oh, God. In other words, he was like, oh, God, oh, God, I need to be able to see what you're doing to be able to reach into where you have me. God always leads us when we say yes and risking following him. He always leads us into circumstances where we have to rely on him. And this year, as um, 2019 starts out, I want to remind you of all of these great stories that are up on that board there and and the wider group of us of situations where time and time again people have found themselves being looked to because they've been equipped to partner with Jesus. Recently when uh, it was in November I was sharing uh, when I got home in uh, I, I, I went to Cambodia with a group from Vineyard Australia and Vineyard New Zealand and One of the Vineyard Australia um, team, Paula from New South Wales, was doing this teaching and we had a small group in a room. There was only about 15 of us in the room. And as um, Paula was doing some teaching on the kingdom of God and the gifts of the Spirit and the work of the Spirit, one of the local guys there, a Cambodian gentleman in his um, mid-30s, late-30s probably, he, he started to share through an interpreter something of his journey and how he found himself having to have um, his hip uh, replaced and operated on. Well, the whole thing went terribly wrong. The surgery went wrong. He ended up going to, after the post-surgery, it wasn't healing, so he ended up going to Vietnam to try and get more surgery to get it healed. And, but the, the end result is this. He has constant pain emanating through, from his hip. He has, the leg was significantly like three to five centimetres shorter than the other and he was told you'll never walk again properly and forget riding a push bike. You'll never be able to ride a push bike. So as he's talking this story in the context of Paula who's talking about the kingdom of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm sitting there and I'm going, I get this kind of awkward feeling start to rise sort of from about here in me sort of this nervous belly. And in this nervous belly, I'm sort of like going, oh, God, why am I paying attention to that story? Why are you drawing my attention to that story? And as he's talking a bit more, the the nervous belly starts to really increase. And I'm like, I think you want to do something here, God, about what he's talking about. Now, so... I just wait for the appropriate moment where there's a space in his sharing of the story and I kind of put my hand up and I say through the interpreter, I just say that. I think God wants to do something about what he just said. 
And then a couple of the other t- team members that were there in the room, they were going, yeah, 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 God certainly wants to do something about what he just said because they too were experiencing that awkward sensation of, I think God's up to something here, but who's going to step into that awkward space and risk? So anyway, I put my hand up and I say, I think God wants to do something here. And as um, we do that, I say to, through the interpreter, I think God wants to do something about your hip, his name was John, and your leg. Like, I think he wants to fix them so you can walk freely and you don't have any more pain. And would you like God to do this for you? And he said, absolutely, I would. So we got a chair. We sat it in the middle of the room. And I said, you sit on the chair, with, through the interpreter, you sit on the chair, John. So John sat on the chair and I said, now sit right back in the chair so your back is nice and square to the chair and put your legs out for us so we can see what we're dealing with here. So he puts his legs out and there's like a three centimetre space or difference between his left and his right leg in length. And, and, every, and I, I said, wow, that's, that's really bad. <laughs> and... At still at this point, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what's going to happen, other than I have a hunch God likes to deal with these circumstances. And so, anyway, I look around the room and I see this early. He's in his early twenties, young Cambodian guy, university student. And I said to him, I said, "Hey, I think God wants to heal John through you." <laughs> do you like? Do you ever deflect? <laughs> I think God wants to do it through you. And so anyway, he goes, what, me? I'm like, yeah, you. And uh, this young guy could speak English quite well. So he came over and I said, look, let's sit on the floor together in front of this guy's legs. And uh, so we sit on the floor together. And I just said to him, I said, now, what, what do you think God would want to do with a leg like that that's shorter than the other one? And he looked at me like, I don't know. And I said, no, 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 just bear with me. What do you think God would want to do with that? And the young guy said, make it grow and heal it. I said, I think you're onto something. And at that point, I said, let's pray. And so we started praying and everyone's just automatically into Pentecostal mode. And I'm like, whoa, 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 hold up. Let's just stop just for a moment. Just like, you know, everyone was just out of the gate before. It's like... It's like you even know what the target was, you know. It was like, where are we going? <laughs> so anyway, I just said, woo up, woo up, woo up, woo up. I said, I don't think it needs to be as difficult as this. <laughs> and I said to the young guy who was sitting on the floor with me, what would you say to a leg like that so that it would be made well? And he looks at me like, talk to the leg? I said, yeah, what would you say to that leg? <laughs> and he said, grow? with a question mark, and I said, that is a great prayer. And so I said to him, tell that leg to grow. And he's kind of looking at me like, <laughs> you know. And, he, and so he speaks to the leg, grow. You know, that's about how enthusiastic he was about it, grow. I think he was nervous. I was. And, and so I said, no, 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 no. I said, Grow, tell it to grow as if you were like a general in the army who was telling all of the soldiers 
to get into line. I said, tell it to grow like that. And so he spoke again to the leg and he said, grow. And I went, oh, that's good. And then all of a sudden, everyone starts breaking out again in tongues. And I'm like, woo team, woo, woo up team. Because everyone starts breaking out in tongues and they've got their eyes closed. And they're like, I'm like, woo up, stop. I said, don't close your eyes, everyone. I said, you must keep your eyes open so you can become familiar with what it looks like to be able to see the kingdom coming so that you can partner with what God is actually doing in this moment rather than you just shum-da-da-dum-da at God telling him what to do. Partner with God. Don't yell at God. We're actually, and then I said to them, we're actually not interceding right now at the moment. We're actually praying the prayer that Jesus prayed when he stood out in front of Lazarus's tomb where Lazarus was dead. Does anyone remember the prayer? Because apparently Jesus turned up too late. But, and so he died and he's dead and buried and his sisters are all going nuts and they're like, you're finally here but you're too late. And what is the prayer that Jesus says to Lazarus? Come out. That's a good prayer. Short, sharp, no tongues, just like it was a word of command. He was exercising his kingly authority to bring the kingdom, to partner with the heart of the Father for Lazarus's life. And so we see in this scriptural, biblical, historical account that Luke has recorded, Jesus, or John actually records, John standing out, Jesus is standing out the front of the, he says, come out, Lazarus. I said to this young guy praying for the man with John whose leg was shorter than the other, I said, command it. Don't ask. Don't ask. Command. Command it like God has given you authority to do what Jesus does. And he's like, okay. And then he's, his whole had a whole shift of thinking and perspective, and then he was like, in the name of Jesus, I command you, leg, grow. And then within the space of probably about five minutes, and no one's speaking in tongues because everyone's eyes are wide open and they're actually shocked at what took place. They stopped being religious and they started participating in what the Holy Spirit was actually doing. And they were shocked. They were like, And we all together, all 15 of us, all saw God grow this leg and all saw John stand up and begin to move and jump and walk without any restriction. And then John went and also got on a bike and started riding a bike again. And once, once he was physically healed, the leg grew, then I said, let's deal with the pain. And so we did the same thing. We just said to this young guy, hey, tell the pain. The pain has to go as well. And so what we did was in the space of about 30 minutes was we actually gave this young man and anyone who was paying attention the realisation God has equipped you with a toolkit of kingdom ministry to be able to do what Jesus does. 
See, one of the things here at the Vineyard we love and we are given to is equipping people to be able to do what Jesus does. That's why every week we enter those awkward moments where it's like, what's God going to do? Because we have an expectation that God is already moving and we get to join with him in what he is doing. Great stories up there. As this year unfolds, are we going to risk it all again? Where Jesus comes along to us in his, in his power and invites us to follow him. You see, love has got to look like something or someone doing something about the someones that they're among. That's what love looks like. Someone doing something for the someones that we live amongst. You carry this kingdom toolbox because you have been filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a way of life and it's a way of life where we step forward. And in the stepping forward, uh, even in the book of Acts, it talks about how the Spirit of God came on them and they went and spoke and ministered the message of the kingdom of God with great boldness. But in that boldness is a humility that says, I'm going to risk Believing God is who he says he is, I'm also going to risk to believe that I am who God says I am in that moment as well, as a son or a daughter adopted into the family of God and as one who's been authorised to extend the kingdom of God into the earth. I think we believe most of the time God is who he says he is as he's revealed himself to be in Jesus. But the big one is to actually humble ourselves and our own perception of ourself to who God says we are in Jesus as sons and daughters of God, now being conformed to the image of Jesus. We here in the vineyard, we love to equip people. This year you will be given a toolkit. And just to give you a bit of a sort of an expanded vision of what the toolkit in action looks like, in the scriptures we see there Jesus in Luke 4 after his baptism, he goes out into the desert and he comes back in and Luke makes a powerful remark. It says he returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. There is an associated power dynamic from God that comes with the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not some gaseous kind of ethereal kind of sort of non-tangible nothing. No, with the person of the Holy Spirit comes an encounter with the power of the living God. You know, the one who the voice of God, even in Genesis, talks about it, the voice of God spoke and to the work of the Spirit hovering over the earth to bring creation about. It's this connectivity with the power of the Spirit to create the kingdom of God that God invites us to partner with. And it started out with just Jesus doing the stuff, tearing around town in the power of the Spirit. But then he says, he says in Luke 9, he says to his 12 who've been hanging out with him for a little bit, he says, um, I'm now going to give you power and authority to drive out all demons, cure diseases, and he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Now, often we go, we think our job is to pray for the sick. That's not our commission. 
Our commission is not to pray for the sick. Our commission is to what? Heal the sick. Now that's confronting because there's a lot of sickness around us, even in us, even in our own families. And yet Jesus invites us to follow him into a space, that awkward space where God's up to something, healing people. He's bringing the power of the kingdom to people. This doesn't happen in a vacuum. This happens in a spiritual contest, granted and given. But then Jesus says, I not only want my 12 to be able to do this, he goes in Luke 10, he says, he appoints another 72 to go ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And he says, when you enter that town and are welcomed, eat what's before you, don't heal the sock, whatever you do. Heal the sick. The sock will look after itself. That sock business is smelly business. But heal the sick and tell them that the kingdom of God is near you. I don't know about you, but um, I have this practice. And we can do this on like our daily life scale. Whether it's we're going to work whether it's we're going to into our neighbor's front yard or talking to the person three doors down or talking to the person that you meet in your afternoon walk who's walking their dogs, wherever it is, Jesus says to the 72, he says, go and when you go and you enter a circumstance and you are welcomed, give it the kingdom. Give it your blessing. You're authorized to speak into that circumstance. Every time Nicole and I, we obviously we travel a lot and every time we drive into a town I always look for the sign you are now entering whatever the name of the town is and you know what I do when I see that sign I'm consciously looking for it as well I look at the sign and I tell that sign because when I'm speaking to the sign I'm actually speaking to the town I say I declare to you whatever that town is the kingdom of God is coming to you today And you are going to receive the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Prepare your hearts to receive God. And then I just go about my business. Now, most people think, that's nuts, Kirk. Well, actually, it's not. It's what Jesus tells us to do. When you're going into your neighbor's front yard to have a chat, on the way in, 112 Brisbane Road, I'm making a declaration to you today. You will receive the kingdom of God. The Lordship of Jesus is here. Be prepared to receive the kingdom. I pray like that as I go walking every day. The other day I went, two days ago, I went walking and I met this guy. He's got two, I've seen him out there a bit. I thought he had one son who has high-end autism uh, on the spectrum. And, he's, and I see him, I thought it was one son, but then he came out of a side path and he has twins and they're both high-end autistic. And he's just struggling to walk with them and, and try and help. I don't know, take him for a walk to burn up a bit of energy or something. I, I, I don't know, but I just, I just, he started talking to me and the longing in his eyes for some help was huge. So I just said, oh, look, I'll walk with you. And I just walked with him and, and his sons and we were chasing, like, just, even just to stay on the path was an impossibility. It was just here, there and everywhere and lots of volume. And other people were looking and like, What's that? What's that? You know, just all the awkwardness and the social, like, how do we love people in a difficult place? And I was just walking with them. I just said, man, I'm going to be praying for you and your sons. Every time I walk on this 
bit of path that we've just walked along, know this, I am going to be praying for God to somehow help you, resource you and care for your sons. And if there's anything I can do on a practical level, let me know. You know where to find me. I'll be on this path. And he just about wept. I mean, he's a grown, grown man, you know. And so I came home and I, Nicole says, how's your walk? And I just break down into tears. I said, that's how my walk was today. God's inviting us all the time to be speaking of his kingdom that's coming all around us all over us and he wants it's not just for the elect it's not just for the few it's for the masses because then in acts 2 we see great outpouring of the holy spirit and then thousands of people are equipped all in one go to go and take the kingdom this year church don't forget you've got a kingdom toolbox you take it with you and often you will feel like you are the most underqualified person for the circumstance But like a mechanic has a toolbox with all of these different tools for various things that need to take place on a a motor under a bonnet, Um, they reach into that toolbox for the unique tool that the the moment needs. Just like a doctor doing surgery has just a thousand different tools, finds the right one for the right moment to to bring the exact thing that that person needs. Just like a parent needs the right bit of wisdom and word for their child at just the right moment, reach into the toolbox. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. That's how you reach into the toolbox. You're putting yourself in that space. You're risking that God actually has some resource for you to bring and you offer it. And it will more often than not feel completely unanointed and you'll just feel like this is totally awkward, but my goodness, look at what God just did. (laughs) Just like the school teacher who needs different resources, just like the doctor who reaches in for different resources, just like the the physician, just like the the baker who has to have all the elements to come together to, 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 to make the, you know, the product. We too, as kingdom of God people, find ourselves constantly reaching into the toolkit of the kingdom of God, trusting that he will give us what we need for the job that's at hand. For his greater glory, John 15, 8, for his greater glory and revealing ourselves to be his disciples. Revealing ourselves. Here at PRV, God's called us to partner with him for over 25 years now, equipping thousands and thousands of people both locally and around the country Our people here have been busy equipping people to know how to partner with the Holy Spirit. And we will be doing that again this year. But know this, you've got core values, but you also have core ministry tools. You have the person of the Holy Spirit. He has equipped you and graced you just for what's at hand. Now, back to the story. I'm going to finish here. Back to the story of the young man praying for John with the leg that grew. So the leg grew. John's healed. Everyone's shocked. And we're all like, wow, we just saw the kingdom of God come. And they all got hungry and they were like, let's eat. I thought that was a great way to celebrate after that. We went and had lunch. Uh, But it was was a great time of realising that people have been called to partner with Jesus. And I want to finish with um, how... 
that young man, as he partnered with Jesus, in the next few settings that I took him to, I, after that I was like, that young guy, I'm, he's coming with me. And I just grabbed him and every, every meeting I went to, every restaurant I went to, every teaching setting that I had to go to over the next three days, I was like, his name is Vitep. I said, Vitep, you stand right here, mate. And, I just ex- and I'd be teaching like this and I'd just explain to him, this is what I'm doing right now. This is what I'm doing right now. This is what I'm doing right now. There are so many people in this room that God has equipped to make disciples of others. And then by the end of three days, Vitep, he was like, he was like discipling all these other young guns that were around him, hanging around him. They were all like, what are you, how are you doing this, Vitep? And he's like, well, I'm only doing it because he taught me how to do it. And before you know it, he's, I said, you're right. You show them, you teach them, you demonstrate it, you do it. Now, did he have a certificate for in theology and ministry? No. Did he have a graduate degree or master's in the ministry of healing of Jesus? No. He's a 20-something young, young guy with no family who loves Jesus. That's it. That's it. He's, there's the qualification. Jesus. There's the qualification. And that's one thing that we really struggle with here in our context is qualification. How many times have I been told I'm underqualified? Tell me whatever you want. I don't care. It's Jesus who qualifies us to do what he's doing. Jesus, the relationship with Jesus. Um, that's, That's the last thing I want to touch on. You are qualified because you're in relationship with Jesus and because he has spoken over you his great commission. He's, uh, he's invited you into his great commission. Not live the great omission, like, oh, I missed it, God. No, no, no. A flourishing life is one that lives in the power of the commission. You've been commissioned by Jesus to do what Jesus does. And who, he qualifies you to join him in it. He, he qualifies us all. This is so, this is like so profound. <laughs> Man, it is so amazing. Look, let me finish with uh, Philippians 3. Paul says in regards to um, his journey, he says it like this. He says, not that I've already obtained all of this or been made perfect, but I press on to hold that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Like, like he's talking about participating in the ministry of Jesus, the suffering of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus. To, to live in the righteousness of the fullness of God in him. He's saying, I've left the law, I've left all that religious shenanigans behind me. I'm now living, seeking to live in what I've already received. And he says, I'm not that I've taken hold of it. He's saying, I've received it. But there's something so big, so overwhelmingly powerful and compelling about this. I still haven't got my arms around this thing. It is so huge and so life-changing. Not that I've been able to grab that thing and knuckle it down and get a hold of all of it. There's so much. He's saying there's more. 
(laughs) There's so much more. But one thing I do, well, actually, I think the one thing has a number of things in it. He says, forgetting what's behind me and straining to what is ahead, I press on to the goal to win the prize for which Christ, God has called me heavenward. Now, don't confuse that with going to heaven. Don't confuse it with leaving earth, going to heaven. He's calling me to live the upward life of the kingdom of God ruling and reigning in the earth. Don't confuse it. God hasn't saved you so you can get out of here. He saved you so you can partner with him to bring it down here. And in fact, every part of society, in every context, in every sphere, not that I've grabbed a hold of all of this, but I press on to get the prize for which God has called me into the upward reality of the Lordship of Christ. And all of us who are mature, Who's mature? (laughs) I didn't see a lot of hands going up. Okay. All of us who are maturing, have we got any maturing people in the room? I think there's some hands going up. Good job. We're all growing up. We want to grow up before we grow old, don't we? Um, All of us who are maturing should take such a view of things. And if you think differently on this, that's okay. God will make it clear to you too. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. In other words, let us actually grow up into the very thing that God has already imparted to us by the power of his Holy Spirit and live in the Lordship of Jesus Christ ruling and reigning in the earth as we partner with him in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's live up to that which we have already received. I've been sitting shaking in the power of the Holy Spirit while Kirk's been preaching. We as a people are those people. And the Lord is saying that today we need to take the authority that Jesus Christ has given us and declare it over this nation. Neil had a word. There's a holy love. The holy love of God is a love that can look at a sin-sick nation and still love it. And God is loving this sin-sick nation. And he's telling us that we have authority to tell the virus that is in this nation that's making it sick to get off this nation. We have authority to do that. And those of you that want to join me to do that, stand up now and we're going to declare that over this nation in the name of Jesus. We are sick of living in a sick nation. And we have authority to tell the sickness to get off this nation. Are you with me? Are you with Jesus in this? So, Lord, we thank you that you have declared your kingdom over this nation and we join you, Lord, as those who would declare that we will not have this sickness hold this nation captive anymore. We say to the sickness over this nation, in the name of Jesus Christ, get off. You have no claim to this great Southland of the Holy Spirit. The great Southland of the Holy Spirit belongs to the kingdom of God. And we as a people stand as those who have authority. And we say to every spirit, to every power, be it in government, be it in in public service, be it in the workplace, be it in the businesses, be it in the churches, 
we say, get off. Release this nation. You have no claim to this nation. This nation is the great Southland of the Holy Spirit and will come into the fullness of what has been declared for this nation in the name of Jesus. So thank you, Lord, for your victory. Thank you that you have entrusted us as a people in this place today to say enough is enough. The darkness can no longer be the, the, the shroud over this nation. We declare the light of Jesus Christ has come and we command all darkness to recede, to go away. For we know who the Lord is and the Lord of this land is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. <laughs> While Kirk was praying earlier, the Bible verse that came to me. Thanks, David. If my people... Oh, I better tell you it's from Second Chronicles 7.14 and I'd encourage you to read on after I finish this. If my people who are called by my name, that's us, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways... Then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. Thanks, Les. Thanks, Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so, um, just to finish, uh, <coughs> no, that's fine, mate. Just to finish, I want to ask you what all of this means for you. Um, so, oh, there we go. Paul says, but one thing I do. It's a call to a life to live. It's not a call to think about something. It's a call to living. He says, <clears throat> forgetting what is behind me. So as you're starting this year, know this. Your sin is forgiven. Your sin is forgiven. As much as the enemy might want to try and continue to plaster it on the windscreen of your mind every day, your sin is forgiven. And you have been set free. You have been declared righteous and clean before God. Forget what is behind you. Forget it. Like, with the help of the Holy Spirit, forget it. Don't dwell on it. There is freedom and there is grace from what has been. Or it may be a case of you're being invited by the Holy Spirit to strain toward what is ahead. Shifting gear and changing season is not easy, is it? When we have to make life decisions and choices, some of them thrust upon us and some of them that we have the liberty to make. But nonetheless, to make the shift of change means we have to strain into a new way of living. Some of you here today, the Holy Spirit is saying, come with me and strain to what is ahead. Lean into the vision of Jesus Christ for your life and his invitation to you to partner with his coming kingdom. Lean towards it. Strain towards it. Choose to let that be that. This is now where I'm focusing. And then 
press on toward the goal with Jesus for which God has called you heavenward or upward into the reality of the Lordship of Jesus. Press on to it because as you do, it's like um, when you do shift gears and you take that change and you forget what's there and you move towards here and you begin to allow Christ to form your vision, you will come into new conflict and confrontation. But press on toward with Jesus into what his kingdom is doing. This year, as 2019 kicks in, know that you've been given a toolkit. And the question I want to ask is, have you taken hold of what Christ took hold of you for? Have you taken hold of it? Have you, have you allowed the bigness of what he's inviting you into to call you out and call you on? Paul seems to think this should be our daily Christian life, to know and to live out why Jesus has taken a hold of our life. Have you asked Jesus that simple question, what have you taken hold of me for, Jesus? Like drill it down and personalise it this year as the year starts. Because I'm telling you, the year will get out of, it's already out of the gate and it's running. And you'll be wanting to be, it'll feel like you're being dragged into whatever, unless you know, Jesus, what have you taken a hold of me for? Ask him, get in his grill, get in his face, get into his countenance. Come before him, say, I want, I want to know this one thing. Paul said, Lord, we should know why you've taken hold of us. I want to know, why have you taken hold of me? And let him show you. Let him show you. But know this, if he shows you, he's asking for a response. If he shows you, if you hear him, will you partner with him? Will you press on toward what he's showing you? This one thing, 2019. You guys have got a toolkit. And it's our every expectation that some of those tools that you're familiar with and you're really good at using, you'll become even more proficient at it. And some of those tools of the kingdom of God that you're not proficient with. By the end of this year, it is my thorough prayer, expectation and, and, and um, purpose to equip you to be able to become proficient at articulating the message of Jesus and his good kingdom and doing the ministry of Jesus in the power of the Spirit. And if you want to come along on that ride, you have to answer these questions. It is an issue of personal discipleship, but I'm calling you to it because that's why we're here. That's the church. We're not here to have a show. We're here to be equipped to do the stuff and to take that good news message back into the life that we actually live in an everyday circumstance. So let's stand and pray. Thank you, God, for um, what you're doing in this room right now. Thank you for the conversations that you're having with each and every one of us. I pray, Holy Spirit, just for a fresh, um, a fresh um, grace, a, a fresh sense of visitation of you, Holy Spirit, to be able to open our eyes to the realization 
that we have been authorized. We, we've been called, authorized, equipped, and given opportunity to follow you into what you're doing, God. I pray for a fresh vision of that. And I, and I just ask in the name of Jesus that the extenuating works of um, oppression and, 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 and angst against your people, Lord, that you would just, just hold that back right now and you would begin to release great vision to each and every person here, God, of exactly why, Lord Jesus, you've come and got a grip on their life, that your kingdom has come to give them a sense of like, this is what it means to live. And that we would just wholeheartedly strain and give ourselves over to living up to what we have already received. Come, Holy Spirit. Let hearts awaken. I can't help but hear it every day of the week, Lord, be it on the radio or a newspaper or a television screen. Everyone's crying out for a compelling vision for our country oh Lord Jesus we love you and your kingdom we want you and your kingdom to be the vision for our country God we want you Lord Jesus to be the compelling reality that gives life and hope into the generations to come It's you, Lord, and your kingdom that brings provision and prosperity to a nation's people, Lord. It's you, God. It's you. It's you. So bring your kingdom, Lord. Just in this week, Lord, I pray for a really powerful conversation between each and every one of us here with you, Lord Jesus. I pray that, Lord, where we get passive, you would interrupt our dreams. I pray that even in the watches of the night, you would rouse our hearts to realize it's you visiting us in the night. I pray, Lord, it's even you, your heart, reaching out to us, saying, help, come partner with me as we see the people around us and the the challenges that they're trying to walk through in the everyday. It's your voice calling us, saying, help, come with me, partner with me for their sake. Come, Holy Spirit. And I just, in the name of Jesus, I feel like you've just, if you put your hand out in front, hands out in front of you now, if, that, that, that the Holy Spirit is actually going to bring a, like, a, like a physical weight to the realization that He's putting the ministry of Jesus in your hands. Come, Holy Spirit. So just pop your hands out in front of you. That's it. Just let the... Jesus, would you put the, hand, the ministry of Jesus in the hands of the saints? In the hands of the saints. Let their hands be filled now with the power of the Spirit. Let their hands be filled with the tools of the kingdom of God to set the captives free. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill their hands right now. Receive the kingdom of God. Receive the Holy Spirit. Let there be power in those hands right now, God. Spiritual, miracle-working, kingdom-bringing 
power that breaks the power of demons, that sets people free, that heals the sick, and that can take two fish and a few loaves of bread and see it multiplied for the sake of the thousands. Oh, God, fill their hands, Holy Spirit. And this week, Lord, I feel like the Lord's saying, this week, those hands, when you feel that weightiness come back in those hands, you're going to feel it among, when you're with people. You're going to feel that weightiness of the Spirit come into your hands as you're, you're with people in your workplace, at the gym, at, the, at wherever you go to have dinner. It's like the waiter that serves you. That, that sense of the Holy Spirit's going to turn up in your hands. That's God saying, partner with me for them. Join me in what I'm doing there. Let your hearts be for the cause of Jesus and his good kingdom. That as we gather next week, there would be stories to tell of where we did take hold of why Jesus has taken hold of us. In your name, Jesus, we ask it. And for your glory. Amen. Amen. Hey, folks, that's ministry time today. That's ministry time. You got the goods. Go do the stuff.